October 27, 2023, we're in Masechet Bet Sandaf Kaftet Amud Bet. Count from the top of the Amud down. It's seven lines down. If you recall, what the Gemara is talking about is this uh, action of being Shone Bekema, which means to say you're sifting, but not for the first time, it's the second time. Your flower has already been sifted, and now the view and the, the, the objective of the person in taking their flower on Yom Tob is to make it now very finely sifted. Is that permitted to do on Yom Tob or not? So there was a mahloka, there was a dispute about it. Why might it be forbidden? Rashi mentioned two things which he coupled together. First and foremost, maybe it is a little laborious, but even if it's not, it's not discernible to the, uh, to the simple eye. If a person walks by and sees you sifting, they're not per se going to realize that you're sifting in a less laborious way, that you already had it handled. They might in turn say you're doing a melacha on Yom Tov, which is inappropriate and in turn should have been done before Yom Tov. What's that? Even in your own house, it seems clear. It seems clear from this next lines in the Gemara as well. We're not talking per se in a commercial atmosphere, but in any, any place. Says the Gemara, Darash Rava Baravuna. We finished yesterday with these lines. Rava Baravuna was Doresh. He publicly expounded the following Zute. That was his name, Ravuna Zute. Rava Baravuna Zute. Where was he standing as he was? teaching this public lesson and this halakha to the masses. He was standing at the opening, sounds like the entrance to Nahardea. Nahardea was one of the uh, very prominent and important centers of Jewish life in uh, Bavel. And he had three basic surah, Pumbedita, and Nahardea. So there he is standing, and I imagine speaking to hundreds, if not thousands of people. He taught them the following, Shonin kemah beyom tov. He made clear to them it's permitted to do for the second time the sifting of the flour on Yom Tov. Amar lehu Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman listening to this or hearing about it afterwards speaks to his students, speaks to his maybe family members and he says in critique of the Dirashav Rava Baravuna, Poku, go out, le Abba, and tell my friend, he refers to his friend as Abba, Shakila Tebutach, take your goodness, you think you came and graced us with that Dirashav by giving us a leniency? Yeah, we all knew that already. Take that leniency, and throw it onto the thorns. In other words, it's not goodness at all. We all, he's going to say in a moment, we already knew this law. We were already practicing it. You're not making our lives easier, not telling us something we didn't know. You think that was such a wonderful derasha, I'm going to teach you something you didn't know, I'm going to make your lives easier. Pok hazeh, go out, pok means to go out, hazeh means to see, kamam maholata hadran go and pay attention to how many sifting devices are going back and forth in nahar We're all familiar, on Yom Tob, we're all familiar with this halakha. He didn't teach us something. He didn't discover the. He didn't discover America in his derasha in a way that we weren't already practicing. Now the Gemara concludes this conversation with two stories, very brief. Debitu de Rav Yosef. Debitu means the wife of the wife of Rav Yosef. Nahalakim ha. She was sifting flour. Agaba de meholata. On the gaba, gab means the back, meholatara, she says, means a nafawah. It's a sifting device. Instead of doing it on the regular way, in the regular fashion, she turned it upside down and she used the back of it. Amarla, he turns to her, Rav Yosef, and says, Hazeh, look, honey, de'ana, that I, rifta me'alyata ba'ina. I like, rifta means bread, me'alyata means high level. I like uh, good bread. 
I'm not interested in you doing this in a roundabout way, Bishinui, it's not going to be as finely sifted. Uh, you should be sifting this in the regular fashion. Effectively, what Rav Yosef is saying to his wife is, you're doing something unnecessary. You're doing this second sifting, Bishinui, by turning the sifter upside down and sifting in such a fashion, you're not going to get an as finely sifted flour for what reason? And he smiles as he says it and says to her, you know, I really like fine bread, so I'd rather you do this in the right way. And it's all permitted. Debitu de Ravashe. Similarly, the wife of Ravashe, Nahala Kimha, she was sifting flour. Agaba de Patora. Patora is a reference to a table. It sounds like she was doing it on a, the back of a table, Rashi suggests. It means literally she would turn the table upside down, that far in terms of a shinui. Upside down table, that's where she sifted. A tosafot on the right hand side says, uh, we don't think that's exactly what it means. It says if it's just on the top of the table, which you might refer to as the back of the table, this is the front, well, there's no front and back per se, it might be bottom and top, but regardless, it's just the top of a table in and of itself, that's considered a shinui. Normally speaking, when you sift, you do it into an instrument called an areva. Over here, you're doing it on the table. That's a shinui in and of itself. So, tosafot piresh, piresha kuntres, that's on the right hand side. Pehe stands for piresha kuntres, referring to Rashi. The notebook explained, they refer to Rashi's commentary as the notebook which accompanied the Gemara. Tosafot instead says it's possible to explain this is a reference to on the back of the table which means on the front side of it and it's nonetheless considered different because it's just not the regular way to do it on a table you don't need to turn the table upside down however continues Tosafot in warning us Tosafot carefully points out that if you notice, these last two cases in the Gemara don't mention that as they were sifting the flour, it was their second time sifting. I, press, I, I prefaced the class by saying we're talking about shonin. It's the second sifting. The first sifting, we were assuming, was forbidden. Now you come up to this Gemara and it never specified that these two women, the wives of the rabbis, were doing this as their second sifting with the Shinu. So says Tosaf, well, I hear what you're in the maybe in the translation. In the, in, in the Gemara, I never said those words. The translation is basing itself on... But listen, but listen carefully, Alan. They're doing it bishinui. So Tosafot has us imagining, if you're doing it in a not direct way, maybe even the first time it would be permitted. Uh, maybe that's what you hear from the Gemara. In fact, no, but what I'm saying is that in fact some of the Rishonim even learn that in the Gemara. They suggest that. Rashbah has a thought like that. Says Tosafot, it's not so. It can't be, in your words, beautifully. shalom. Right, in other words, Bishinui wouldn't solve. That would still be rabbinically forbidden. V'Rashbam Piresh De'al Shinui Say it again. Tosafot is warning us by and telling us, don't assume that Shinui would help you because the simple reading of the Gemara would read like that. that um, I, I, I hear what you're saying. That might be, that's a general question. It's not a question on Tosafot. In other words... Tosafot 
to Rashi's words, two lines from the top, he writes, He says, since it's easier, since it's easier in the sifting, anyone who walks by says, oh, that's the second time. That's why I, you know, I can't, can't verify that other than that. The Rashbam Piresh says, Sosafot Rashbam, that's the grandson of Rashi, explained, Da'ayedeh Shinui, and the Halek, the Shinui, the changing, doesn't change the reality for us with regards to permitting uh, for Lechatehila, for the first sifting. V'yesh l'smoch alav le'inyan, excuse me, Rashbam Piresh Da'ayedeh Shinui, and the Halek, excuse me. Rashbam, as, uh, as Morris was just saying, Tosafot's next opinion over here, Rashbam reads the Gemara quite Simply, the Gemara says Shinui means even in the first sifting. So what emerges from Tosafot then is two opinions. With regards to our Gemara, until these moments, these two women, we were talking about second sifting, we weren't talking about Bishinui, we had a dispute whether you could do it in the regular fashion. All of a sudden you started talking about Bishinui. So according to the first interpretation of Tosafot, it's a suggestion. Maybe there's an extra Humrah, even though it's the second sifting. Uh, nonetheless, maybe as Charles says, it's still hard to discern that it's the second sifting. That's why you need to do a Bishinui. That's the first interpretation of Tosafot. Second interpretation of Tosafot is, no, no, no. The reason we're doing Bishinui, read the words of the Gemara, we never said it was the second sifting, it's even on the first sifting. First sifting on Yom Tob, Bishinui, for Tzorech Achila, would be permitted. So as Tosafot, are we going to go la halacha this way? Yesh l'smoch alav le'inyan lehatir l'shivhan nochrit te'chilat harkada al yedei Shinui. Aval anu la'atzmenu en l'smoch. And suggest Tosafot, if it's a non-Jew doing it for you, which to begin with is rabbinically prohibited, so in such a circumstance, even though it's the first sifting, provided that you told them to do it in the roundabout way, on the back of the sifter, then says Tosafot, even on the first sifting you can permit. Effectively what you're doing is two dirabbanans, and he sued dirabbanan of speaking to a non-Jew, and of asking a non-Jew to do melacha for you, and he sued dirabbanan because it's bishinui, and it's bimakom in a context of simhat yom tob, of rejoicing and eating this food on yom tob. That's how, and only in that circumstance, is Tosafot ultimately speaking mekiu. I mean, over here, that's the only way. Oh, wow, T- tough, tough crowd. All right, says. That's right. That's right. Where's your carafe? All right, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Amarav Ashe. Okay, so uh, recall, we're in the middle of the second Shinui. We're back in the Gemara, a few lines up before the Mishnah, and the Gemara told us, Divitu, the wife of Ravashen, Nahalakim Ha, she was sifting flour, either the first or more probable, probable the second time, Agava de Patora, on the back or on the top of a table, Rashi Tosafot. Amar Ravashen, remarking about his wife's actions, said, Hadidan, this one who's ours, meaning my wife, Barte is the daughter Derame Barhama. You should know my daughter, my, my wife is the daughter of a great rabbi, Rame Barhama. Rame Barhama Mara de Uvdahava. Literally, that means he was the master of action. Uh, Rashi explains it means he was very scrupulous in halachai. He was midakdek b'mitzvot. He says my father-in-law is a, really a very pious person. He's midakdek b'maasav. V'ilav, and I can deduce from this that if not for the hazyami ben asha, 
that my wife saw this being practiced in her parents, her father's home, she never would have been doing this independently. Effectively, Rav Asheh's conclusion then is not fully clear. Is he applauding this? Or is he saying this is unnecessary? Initially, it appeared as if we didn't think any of this was necessary. Rav Asheh over here says, but you should know my father-in-law is a pious man. She must have learned it there. What's the conclusion? What many of the poskim learn is that both Rav Asheh, both Rav Asheh and the earlier story with Rav Yosef are saying the same thing. They're both saying it's beautiful to do a bishinui, but unnecessary. This is a humrah. My father-in-law, who's a midakdek asav, he did it that way. Uh, you, uh, honey, who don't need the fine uh, bread, it's okay, but I'd like the fine bread. What's that? Second sifting is the simple interpretation of this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. no. La halacha, we go, it's the second sifting. We do, from Shohan Aruch, la halacha, we go, it's on the, only on the second sifting. All right, that's what we have in this Gemara. I'll accept. Says the Mishnah for, for purposes of uh, convenience right now. Says the next Mishnah, Holech Adam etzel chenvani haragil eslo veomerlo teni besim veegozim beminyan. It's permitted for a person to go to Hanvani. Hanvani means a grocer. Haragiles law means that uh, you're familiar with them. And as a result, you'll be able to speak freely without specifying. What do I mean without specifying? Without getting into Yom Tob, forbidden words how much money, the measurement, and things of that sort. Since you're ragilets law, so you'll be able to talk to him and say to him, give me 12 eggs and six walnuts. Now you're not specifying weight, and you're neither specifying price. Because that's the way you would count even in your home. It's not a commercial expression to say, 12 eggs and six walnuts. It's a commercial expression to say, give me five pounds of walnuts and six pounds of eggs. It's a commercial expression, it's a, it's a, it's a words when you say, give me three dollars of this and five dollars of that. Alternatively, says the Mishnah, our Gemara, our Gemara at the very beginning, at the very, okay, okay. The Gemara at the very beginning of our Masechet, as a matter of fact, talked about whether eggs, how eggs are sold. And it seemed clear eggs are not only Davar Shabiminyan, they're also Davar Omed. It's both. It used to be that eggs were sold both by number, the way we have it today, as well as apparently by measurement or by, by weight. Tosafot just points out very briefly, I don't think this is specifying that the grocer needs to be Jewish. Jewish, Ben Shu Nochri, Ben Yisrael. It doesn't matter whether he's Jewish or not Jewish. The only issue is that just have to be fearful if it's a non-Jew and he doesn't obviously know halacha. He may have cut it, whatever he's bringing that day, which would be forbidden, or nolad, or it's mukseh because it was nolad on that day. That's what you'd need to be careful about. It exists for you by means of the non-Jew. That's right. So for them, they can enjoy it. You can't. It came into... No, group. the whole concept of, of you say, you see something that you didn't know was in existence, and you're like, oh, it didn't exist before, but the grocer is always... You're looking at the grocer, and you say, this guy always has no product. If that's the case, you're all right. If alternatively, he has chickens in his backyard, 
which gave birth to the eggs. You care. What do you mean? It's no lad. No, but you don't, he doesn't like that. I don't know. It's not connected to you. What? You are benefiting from something that was born on Yom Tov, non-existent, is a problem in turn. What's that? You'd have to ask him. That's what Tosafot is making clear. It's in turn, this case, and we'll see it briefly in the Gemara as well, is very much what takes place when a person might be staying in a hotel or something like that. If you're asking for something without mentioning the money, without mentioning the weight, without mentioning that this is a commercial transaction, so you're going down in the morning and they're prepared, they already prepared coffee. They're not preparing the coffee for you, but they're going to be charging your room. It's permitted to tell them your room number. The assumption is, no, I give them my room number they're going to write it down. They don't need to write it down. They can remember it. They're writing it down for their convenience. It's for that reason that the poskim say under those sorts of circumstances, if you're walking downstairs or you're talking to someone at the front desk and asking for a coffee or asking for a drink and they're going to charge it to your room, however they do so, provided that you don't say the price and you don't say to them, I want to buy it. You're just asking, can I have a coffee or something of that sort? Provided that the words are said properly, that's how the post-game writer would be permitted to do so based on this Mishnah and this Gemara. Says the Gemara, Tanur Rabbanan, the Beraita says the following, Adam esil haragil eslo. Our Mishnah talked about going to a grocer. The Gemara, this Beraita, will give us many other cases all along the same lines, just more specific. You can go to a Ro'e. Ro'e is a shepherd, uh, as we've seen in the past. It's not only a shepherd who uh, uh, walks with the uh, cattle and the flock. It's also, like Rashi says, Zeham Megadel Behemot. He's raising, he's grooming the animals, and sometimes he'll be selling. So you're interested in meat for the holiday, so you go to a ro'eh ragil, it's log, and it needs to be ragil, so you don't need to specify. It needs to be that you're able to say, can I please have a coffee, and you're not saying, can I buy it, and how much, and things like that. And you say to him, can I please have this type of animal, and that type of animal. It's a You can go to a butcher who... You're familiar with and you talk about different uh, parts of the animal that you're interested in purchasing. It was already slaughtered. You're not buying a live animal. You can go to a bird fattener, a person who's dealing with birds, and uh, you can say to him, I'd like the uh, dove or I'd like the uh, chick or something of that sort. You can likewise go to a Baker, who you're familiar with, can I have a loaf of bread? Can I have a challah? No, ragil, ragil just means that you're familiar with them to the extent that you wouldn't need to say, I want to buy this. You can just say, give me this. If it's a person you don't know, it's a store that you're not familiar with, you walk in, you sound very funny, he won't understand why you're saying that. If alternatively it's a person, you could just say, give me this and give me one of those, please. That's what, that's what all the ragil etzlom means. What's that? I'll tell you, just need to be careful in the way you say it. You certainly can. Uh, you could say I can't sign. They they pulled it up. You say I can't sign. You didn't ask them to do that. You asked them for a coffee. Now again, if they're this is very important to note again, if they're brewing the coffee for you, if you're getting a cappuccino, you can't do that. If they already have coffee brewed. So the only issue is a meka humemkar issue and you're not buying it, you're just having him because he wants to charge it to your room under that circumstance.
because that's a good question. The coffee beans were there. The coffee beverage was not. The bishul is asur if it was being done for you, but it's being done for anyone. And as a result, since they're doing it for anyone, if the whole hotel is Jews for Shabbat and they're doing it just for the Jews, unless they're benefiting from it as well, the workers. But, okay, good. Morris says no question. But alternatively, alternatively, generally speaking, they're brewing coffee so that they could sell to their patrons, so they could sell to the people. You're just taking one of them. I was, Nathan's saying, how come we're only qualifying here at the very end? All right, the Mishnayot, we're getting there, yeah. I guess so. so. No difference in this respect. Yeah. You can't call them, but you could say to them, I'd like a coffee. They say, they say, what room are you? You give them the room. I don't know. You're too fancy for me. Ve'etzel chenvani haragil etzlo. And you can alternatively, and along the same lines, go to a grocer that you know and say to him, I'd like tenli esrim betzim, I'll take 20 eggs, or hamishime gozim, or 50 walnuts. These are all examples. Or asara afarsekin, that's 10 peaches, hamishari monim, five pomegranates, etrog ehad, one etrog, ubilvad, conclusion of the beraita. However, this is all provided that do not mention Rashi, kav o kavim. Don't mention the measurement. I was not talking about money per se, but you can't even mention me- measurement. Why not? Commercial. Why not? That's commerce. That's Mecca Humem Karfi say Kavu Kavim. That's Rashi's interpretation. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Omer Ubilvachilo Yaskilo Sechum Mecca. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says you can even mention the measurement. However, what you need to make certain that you don't mention is the money. We're Posek Lahalachada both us, so you can't mention the measurement or the money. What's that? Is that a measurement? I don't think that's a measurement. No, kavo kavim is a measurement. If you say, I'll take the 18 ounce uh, coffee, that would be a problem. The small cup? I'll take that cup. I don't think so. That's a nice humrath. Some would say that back in the day they did X by weight, but today they don't do X by weight. Yeah. No, no, but it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the, whatever the normal way of buying it is. That's what you can't do. Tosafot disagrees with Rashi. They believe that the word sechum mida is difficult. If it meant you can't mention the measurement, it should have said mida. The word mida means measurement. Sechum, like in mathematics, means the total. What does it mean? The total measurement. Tosafot on the right hand side says piresh Rashi. Kav o kavim uschum mekach shelo yomar lo teni egozim b'dinare hado b'shnayim. The kashe says Tosafot de peshita de asur. First and foremost says Tosafot there's no chidush. Of course that's a regular commercial way. Ve'od amai kamar sechum mida. Why does it say sechum mida? The total, the sum measurements. Havale lememar. It should have instead said simply ubevad shelo yaskin mida. Vetu vetu lo. And it didn't need to say sechum. It should have just said. Instead goes like Rabbeinu Hananel's commentary, Digaris, Sechum Minyan. Our says Sechum Mida, 
Rabbeinu Hananel's girsa, his words in the Gemara are a bit different. It says, Sechum minyan. It's the total amount. What does the total number amount mean? Vekae ale'el. And it's in turn, it, it reads very easy transition in the Beraita. The Beraita went from one uh, five pomegranates and one etrog and 50 walnuts, etc. Ubilvad, however, don't mention the full amount. How so? You said that you can go to him and specify. I'll take five of this and ten of that. Ubilvad Don't say something along the following lines. I'll take 10 more um, uh, walnuts. I already, bu- I already got 30. That brings my total to 40. But you didn't say buying, and you just said, but talking like that, the understanding is that's a commercial way of talking. If I say, can I have 10? I'm asking for 10 walnuts. Okay, of course I'm going to pay you later, but I'm asking for 10 walnuts. If I say, I'll take 10 walnuts, and I already have 30, which makes it 40, that's already commercial activity. That's commercial expressions. That's what Tosafot understands is even Asur. It's above and beyond what Rashi's interpretation to the Gemara was. All right, that in turn ends our panic for us. Hadran Alach in Sadin. I'd like for a moment or two uh, to just uh, reflect upon many of the lessons that we learned in Masechet Beitzah, specifically in the last several Dapim, but throughout the Masechet, we of course learned about the Isurim Min HaTorah on Yom Tov. The Surim Min HaTorah and the Heterim Min HaTorah, that which is prohibited and permitted from the Torah. But a lot of what we've talked about, especially in the last several Dapim and Amudim, is about Ovadin Dehol, is Maaseh Hol. And that's, of course, a rabbinic expression, what we call Shivut very often. And the question in turn, and it's not an easy answer to give, and I won't, is how do you define that? And the answer, generally speaking, is what the Hachamim set forth for us. They, in some way or another, objectified what weekday activity is. But I'd like to, for a moment or two, read to you from very famous words of Ramban Nachmani in his commentary to the Torah. Ramban Nachmani in Parashat Emor in Vayikra Perik Kaf Gimal cites in the middle of his commentary from a little bit of a surprising Midrashic source. He quotes from Mechilta, and it's at the top here of page Resh Nun Gimal, which says the following, That's a pasuk in Parashat Bo, which describes uh, safeguarding the holiday, of course Pesach, but by extension all the holidays. Lama Neemar, the Midrash Halacha called Mechilta says, why does the pasuk say, Ushmatim Pasuk already said, don't do Melacha. What's the additional mention of safeguard the day? Tell me, don't do melacha. That's what it means to safeguard the dead. Any eladvarim shehem mishum melacha. It says the Midrash, I can understand from this the things that are objectively one of the 39 prohibited actions. How do I know things as well that are mishum shivut? Shivut is a derabanan. Talmud lomar ushmatemet hayom hazeh lahavid varim shehem mishum shivut. That, those extra words, safeguard the day, include shivut. Shavuot, as I just mentioned several times, are rabbinic violations. The Midrash is very misleading, says Ramban Nachmani. The Midrash says, I'm going to read Sukim in the Torah. What I know from the Torah is no melacha. What I know furthermore from the Torah is safeguard the day. What's the safeguarding the day? It's the rabbinic violations. What? Rabbinic, that's not in the Torah, we have a division. The Torah is God's word, and the rabbinic is the rabbi's words. How could the Midrash be Doresh, 
pesukim in the Torah seemingly in a way that's giving credence in a full sense to the rabbinic violations that the hachamim set forth. If you'll skip down just a few lines to the second word on the line, right next to where it says, like, you know, the half moon, the parentheses, kaf het, it says, v'nun lamit, v'nirali, shah midras, midrash hazeh lomar, shenitztavinu mina Torah liyot lanu minuha biyom tov, afilu midvarim she'enan melacha. He says, the Torah is revealing to us in the eyes of the rabbis the purpose of Yom Tov. The purpose of Yom Tov is that it not be weekday activities and aura. In turn, even though Ramban is very consistent in his vision of the Torah like this, in turn, even though you technically speaking could spend time on Yom Tov measuring Tivuot, your grain, and weighing your fruits and your metals. And to fill your barrels with wine. We've seen all these examples throughout Masech Betzah. And to turn, move your utensils. You know, something this room, honey, we've been talking about moving it for a long time. Let's do that on Yom Tov. We have time to do that. Yes, it's permitted in certain respects that your whole day be consumed with that. And if we have the capability, we'll even put our, we'll saddle our donkeys to move things around. And you'll bring in with your donkeys the uh, wine and the grapes and the figs. And the marketplace will be filled and everyone will be in commercial activity. Says Ramban Nachmani, and the money will be flowing and you'll have time and capability. And people will be waking up early in order to be working for others. And these should be permitted in the technical sense on Shabbat and Yom Tov because none of the actions we just mentioned are melacha. Lekach amera Torah Shabbaton. Sheyom shevitao menucha lo yom Torah ve'amal. What Ramban Nachmani suggests is the rabbis read this pasuk in the Torah and understand a principle, an overarching principle, and that is don't over don't overdo the technicalities of the day with regards to 39 melachot. Understand 39 melachot are principles and in turn that should spread and pervade your day. Your day should be a day defined by sanctity and rest and tranquility and mindfulness. How is that fulfilled? So the rabbis gave, and his student Ritva and Rosh Shananda Flamid Bet on the other side explains this, they gave specific examples. That's all the Mishnayot and Gemarot that we discussed in Masechet Betza. That's rabbinic in nature. The rabbis objectified it. Not this action, not that action. But if you, forget about the specific examples. Forget about anything specific. If your day of Yom Tov or Shabbat within the permitted realm became like a weekday, 
you're in violation of the Torah. So the question always in turn, when people say, what does it mean it's not a Shabbat activity? What does it mean it's not a Yom Tov activity? That sounds like some sort of, I don't know, black hat expression. Says Ramban Nachmanino, that's the whole point of it. This is not a rabbinic uh, novelty. That's the whole point. The Pasuk in the Torah says you have to have a Shemirah to the day because the aura of the day rises above the specifics of the actions. The rabbis may have defined for us with the aura in mind specific actions, but in turn it defines for us what the day is supposed to be, a day which doesn't in any way resemble a weekday in which the commerce is flying and the marketplaces are filled. It's a day instead which is imbued and focused primarily and entirely on Kedusha and Avodat Hashem. Baruch Amen, Amen.